Last week, we kicked off our brand new series. And in that series, I was talking about a list of sins that Paul says, we won't inherit the kingdom of God and how, you know, we can, we, we, no matter what society says, we have to, this is called sin. And I listed all these things out. And uh, I still, if somebody's watching, I apologize if I offended you, but I still received a voicemail that was offended by one sin that I mentioned. And uh, listen, if it's in Scripture, we're going to cover it. If it's not in Scripture, we're not going to add to it. But if it's in Scripture, we're not going to shy away from it because it's in the Word of God, the Bible. And so um, we kicked off this series on the power in personal prayer and uh, tonight we're going to be focusing on crying out to God. And, and so when, when did people begin to pray? When did that start? When did people start praying? I'm talking about calling on God when you cannot see him and desiring a relationship with him through communication. Genesis 4.26 says, and to Seth... To him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So what was going on prior to this? Because scripturally we see it says Seth had a son named Enos, and then, and then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So at least two centuries have passed since Adam and Eve had sinned and they were expelled from the garden. Cain killed Abel, and then God allows Eve to be pregnant again and replace that righteous seed. Where, when I say the righteous seed, that's the seed lineage of which Jesus Christ would come from eventually. And so the devil thinks, well, man, we got Abel out of the way. Now I'm a winner. And now, 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 God just replaces that righteous seed with a, a, another son named Seth. And then Seth has a son named Enos. And it says, then men began to call in the name of the Lord. Now, it was at that point that we see the first mention of this happening. What convinced them that God even wanted to be sought? I mean, after all, they sinned. They messed it all up, right? I think we've all been there before where we said, like, I messed it all up, God. And God kicks them out of the garden, puts angels at the gate with flaming swords. They can't come back into that garden, that perfect environment. They can't walk and talk with God like they appear, apparently used to. So now all of a sudden, then, men begin to call on the name of the Lord. What made them think that he was even open to that? And so, who did they think he would have any, I mean, why would he think that he would have any interest in hearing their voice? They messed it up. Perhaps Adam had told his son Seth or his grandson Enos. Maybe he told them stories about, guys, you got to listen. There was once a time where I used to walk in the garden. Anybody have a, a grandparent or great-grandparent alive, alive still and they, they tell you stories Anybody, anybody get to hear stories from elders in your family? And they say, well, I remember when. Sometimes it's going to school. Both, both directions were uphill. I don't even know how that works out. How did you go uphill two times? It's like... But we have stories. And I wonder, did, did Adam tell them, oh, man, I'll tell you what. God used to look for me in the garden. 
me and God, we used to walk and we used to talk and he talked to, to me and to your mom and, and, and oh man, God used to, he wanted a relationship with us and, and, and we used to be so close and, and maybe they were feeling empty without living life with a divine creator. Maybe they felt an emptiness, a void and they were going, oh God, where are you? And they began to cry on the name of the Lord because there was something missing. We don't know, it just says, and then men began to cry, cry and call on the name of the Lord. And think about it. It's not like the, the evangelist or the missionary or the apostle or the preacher or the pastor got up and, and stood at the garden gate with the angels with flaming swords and said, today I'm going to take my text from, we're going to talk about prayer. There was no Bible. No churches, no prayer charts, no books on prayer, no prayer meetings. But there was something in the heart and the soul of humanity that was created that way that said, I'm naturally made to cry out to God. I might not fully understand. Nobody's preaching about it. I'm not in the garden. I don't have this face-to-face -face interaction with God. I, I, humanity, we mess that up. But there's something in me that in the matter of having kids and getting married and, and lineages being passed on, there's something in me that eventually I said, I can't take this anymore. I have to call on the name of the Lord because it's just, it's the way God made me. It was a grace-given instinct within humankind that pointed them to a divine creator. So they began to call on the name of the Lord. And by that time we reach, by the time we reach Genesis 4, the word call has been used a number of times. In Genesis 1-5, God called the light and day, the light day and the darkness night. 1-8, God called the firmament heaven. 1-10, God called the dry land earth and the water sea. 2-19, God brings the animals to Adam and see what he would call them. 2-20, Adam called their names. 2-23, Adam called Eve, woman. Uh, Genesis 3.20, Adam called her Eve. But then this happens. 3.9, and the Lord God called unto Adam, and he says, where art thou? Where are you? And keep in mind, this happens after they had sinned. After he said, you can eat everywhere. Don't, don't eat from that tree. Here's the clear guidelines. You have all this, just not that one. They walked over, hung around that one, let the devil tempt them. They gave into the temptation. They sinned. They messed it all up. There's no doubt. Adam and Eve, they went down together. But then God, even after all of this, God still called to fallen humanity and went looking for them. Did he know? He knew. It's not like he found out through in investigative journalism. He knew when he started calling and they were hiding behind the creation, the trees, and, and, and trying to cover themselves. He walked up and he says, Adam, where are you? He knew where they were, but in spite of all of their sin, in spite of letting God down, he calls out to a fallen humanity. They had walked together. God had become their friend, but Adam is hiding, but God came calling. 
God started calling to humankind in Genesis 3-9, but how many times did he call? How much time had passed? Finally, in Genesis 4-26, we see they began to call on the name of the Lord. Was God calling the whole time? Did he stop? We don't know. But from what I can tell about God and his word is even when humanity messes up, God comes calling. I don't know. Seriously, have, have you ever messed up before? More than once? Have you lost count? But I'm thankful that God in our fallen state, he comes calling. Seriously, I think we just pause right now and just maybe close an eye, raise a hand and just say, God, thank you. I mean, where are we? Where are we if he doesn't do that? Where are we tonight if God decided to stop calling? He comes calling. He comes looking. Where are you? Adam, he calls us. And notice he calls him by name. How many times did he call? How much time had passed? And finally, they began to call on the name of the Lord, which in my mind, what everything I see, that was always his plan. To me, this suggests every single one of us, regardless of our past, I know some of your story, but I don't know everybody's story here. I don't know what you did 20 years ago. I don't know what you did 20 minutes ago. Certainly not who's watching online right now. I don't know. But I can say with confidence based on scripture, regardless of our past, we can have a fresh start. We can have a new beginning. We can hit the reset button and start a godly lineage like we see here. Humanity, Adam and Eve, they mess up. Cain kills Abel. I mean, they, they, got, they got family issues. They're the first family with family issues. And guess what that means? There's no family that doesn't have family issues. Because it's the first one, okay? Sometimes we look at our marriage and our children and our family. We're like, wow, we're the only ones with weirdos. Like, we're the only ones that got weird parents or weird in-laws or weird whatever. Like, weird kids. And we're the only ones that have bad marriages and struggle with this. And then you just look around and you're like, actually, I think everybody struggles at times with different things. But yet in, in, in all that, we can hit a reset button because we look back and they sinned and they messed it all up. But then God says, I'm going to give you a son named Seth. I'm going to replace the righteous seed. And there's still going to be a godly lineage that comes out of fallen humanity. I thank God for grace. Because if my kids followed in every shortcoming and fault and failure I have, they're doomed. They are doomed. But sometimes in parenting, I just step back and I go, God, thank you so much for grace. God, thank you so much for grace. Because you know what? We can hit a reset button and we can start a godly heritage. We can start, are you going to live perfect from here on out? Nope. But when God comes calling, we can always respond. We can, a new world awaits when we raise our voice and call on God.
So why don't, so why don't we all call on God? Why doesn't the world call on God? Why doesn't, let's not even talk about the world. Why doesn't the church call on God more? Why don't I call on God more? Could it be that we're just not desperate enough? Sure, we all have problems. No doubt, if, I, if we started passing around the microphone and say, tonight we're just going to talk about our problems. Lord, we would be here all night long. I mean, just imagine. All right, well, my problem, I'd have to say, okay, you only get to choose two. Come on, we got other people that need to go. Because we all have problems. There are things that we struggle with and deal with. And, and some of us, we would, we would just pass the mic right around because even though we have a lot of problems, we don't want anybody to know them. But think about it. You know, our, our lives, I think, would really, readily admit, yeah, there's problems. But we would readily admit that our lives, for the most part, are pretty good, pretty comfortable. Certainly, we have problems. But we're doing pretty well. But if my roof caves in, I'm more apt to pray. If you lose your job, you're more apt to pray. I was just talking to someone recently about who got a phone call and they thought they were losing their job. And that happened to me where I got a phone call and I had lost my job years ago in Wisconsin. And how your heart just drops through the floor. And for that split second, thank God they didn't. But for that split second, all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Because in moments like that, oh God. If our situation looks hopeless, we cry out to God for hope. But if there's bread on the table, it seems pointless at times to say, give us this day our daily bread. The Lord said when you pray, here's the Lord's prayer, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread. Well, why am I going to pray this? I got bread on my table, so I don't, it feels weird to pray for these things when I already have it. And so we just kind of learned, like, you know, we coast. We're like, if I said, how many of you are grateful for God's blessings? We're like, woo, yeah, amen. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? Yes, hallelujah. How many of you just know that we could pray more? Yes, amen, praise God. And we go and we eat bread at our table tonight. We're, we kind of already feel set. So we can almost go through life dividing things up between what we can handle and what we need God for. We don't want to admit that. Kind of like, nah, I don't, nah, I don't think it. But, but we do. It's like, oh, I got this, I got this, I can handle this, I, I got schooling, I got the, the resources for this, and I'll figure this out. And then, and then we hit something, we're like, oh, God. Okay, I got to pray, Chris, can somebody pray with me? Because I got this thing that I can't figure it out. But then back to normal, okay, I got this, I got this, cool, I got this, I can handle this, I got this figured out. And we, only, we almost can compartmentalize, like, well, this is the stuff that I need to give to God, but everything else, I'm good. Almost like, you know, you're, you don't want to bug your best friend or your parent or your spouse or, you know, so you only bring them the stuff that's, like, really big deal. You don't want to, like, talk about every little teeny tiny thing because then they're just like, are you seriously talking again? Like, please, 
Like if I woke up and I was like, Jackie, I have a hangnail. Jackie, my, my, oh, Jackie, you know, at this age, Lord, everything's starting to hurt. I can't talk about all of it anymore. I used to just be able to talk about one thing and that was it. Now I'm like, I don't even, she's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I don't even know where to start. It's, it's getting weird. <laughs> we can almost say, well, oh, no, so I don't want to bother anybody. So I just kind of go through and I handle this. And when I need something, I take it to God. But see, that's not what he wants. God wants this intimate, real relationship where he comes looking for you. He calls you by name. <laughs> and is it interesting? Again, we're known as his bride, the bride of Christ. He wants us to include him on all the parts of our life, not just, hey, Lord, I know we haven't talked in about 10 or 11 days, but I just went to the doctor's office, and they gave me a bad report, so I just wanted to tell you about that. And so then we just go, and then all of a sudden we call them two weeks, three weeks later, hey, they're doing layoffs at work, God. Oh, Jesus, could you please, amen, can you please keep me in prayer? They're doing layoffs at my job, and Jesus, help me not to get a layoff, but I haven't heard from you in 14, 13, 14 days. Well, that's because everything's been going all right. That's not relationship. And so he, imagine being married to your spouse and only hearing about their problems. If you are married to somebody, just look straight ahead, don't. Want to start any issues here while you're sitting in church? But I mean, imagine being married to a spouse and there's no relationship there. There's no friendship. There's no communication. It's just, hey, every once in a while, we talk to each other about the issues we're having on the job with our kids, with our health, or at the church, or whatever. And uh, then we just coast the rest of the way. And we, then we complain to each other when no one else will listen. <laughs> wow, sounds fun. But imagine that. That's not the type of relationship any of us want to be in. Never. God wants to have a close, intimate relationship with his bride. Where he hears and he knows and he calls us by name. Have you ever read the 91st Psalm? Not just, I'm not talking about a, a quick glance, but instead seriously have read Every single word, digesting every verse. I want to do that right now. Look at this, 91, Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I recently referenced this. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. I love that word. And my fortress, my God in Him Will I trust? Yeah, just like on money, it says, in God we trust. But the truth of the matter is, is like, somewhat. But the irony is the very bill that's printed, in God we trust, is often the thing we trust more than the statement that's even printed on it. In God I trust as I hold this money, but I actually trust this money more than God at times. No, no, I don't. Don't accuse me of that. Well, again, if you don't know, I mean, like, you just, you can look about tithes and offerings, what, what the Bible calls for. Sometimes we avoid those things because I'm holding on to this. And I'm like, I need this. And God's going, hold it, but I'm, I'm your provider. If you give me that, watch what I can do. But we're like, no, 
in God I trust, but not enough to release the paper that says in God I trust on it. And you see, it says, surely he shall deliver thee. What a promise. If we believe the Bible, it's not just like a book that was written by really excellent writers who were intelligent or like this is the inspired word of God. So if I trust this, I can read this and say, hey, this is a promise. Let's listen up. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be a shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. I mean, like, if you're going through something right now, what an incredible promise. You don't have to be afraid of the terror by night. I don't know if you have kids where any one of them has ever had a bad dream or come in and interrupted your sleep. If you have kids, multiple kids that have never done that, I'm kind of aggravated at you right now. <laughs> but but if, you, if you have kids, you know that at some point they're going to come in, Dad, I had a bad dream. Mom, I said, oh, okay, well, what's going on? Tell me about the dream. And they start to talk, and sometimes they cry, and, and then no matter how much you talk, they still want to sleep on, on, on the bed or in the, in the, on the floor, and everybody's got different opinions on that. We don't let the kids in our bed, so I'm like, you get yourself a bed on the floor right next to my bed. And so, but, but I'll, I'll walk in there, and I'll say, well, what are you, what are you afraid of? What, what scares you right now? And I'll lay on the bed. I'll say, is it something in the closet? Watch. I mean, like, I'll, I'll walk in there. Let's go. If, 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 if this person's in the closet, he's about to get a rude awakening. I'm about to take him down right now. And then I'm like, I hope he's not bigger than me. <laughs> but you just walk in, and you're just like, how often have you had that conversation? Listen, you don't need to be afraid of anything. And depending on which child and what the moment is and what the problem is, sometimes I go the route of like, God's got his hand. You're, you're filled with God's spirit. God's angels are upon you. And, and if they're still looking at me, then I'm like, where is he? I'll go in the closet. You know, so like sometimes, like the little kid said, I know I trust in God, but right now I just need God with skin. You know, and so that's what we are sometimes. But you look at this and he says, you don't have to be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in the darkness, nor destruction that, get, you see what's going on? He's talking about terror, he's talking about danger, he's talking about disease, all of the things that we could possibly be afraid of. He's like just writing, going, you don't have to be afraid of that. 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 That's the God we serve. And he says, verse 7, he says, a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Really? I mean, like my enemies are going to fall just by my right hand and they're not even going to get close to me. This is the type of promise. These are the type of promises that God is giving his people. And he says, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which again is my refuge. I love that word. We should name our church that. Even the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he 
shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all in all thy ways. So yes, when I tell my kids, buddy, right now, if you're scared, honey, if you're scared, right now there is an encampment of angels that are, ho- there's a host of angels that are encamped around our house that even if somebody wanted to come here, they have to get authorization from the Lord God Almighty before they can even get entrance. We serve an incredible, powerful God. And so, yes, I have preached a couple of 3 a.m. sermons to my kids in the middle of of fearful times. Sometimes they like being a pastor's kid, other times they don't. We'll drive and I'll say, oh, you see that? That'll preach right there. And and Kiara's now at the age, she's like, Dad, please. (laughs) The boys still pretend like they're listening. But Kiara's at the age, she's like, Dad, please. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. What an amazing, what an amazing, powerful, just list of protection and peace. But what's the source of this type of confidence? The psalmist answers this in the next verse, 14. Because because all these great things, go back to 13. Yeah, we just got done. The dragon and the adder and the lion and, and, and no pestilence. And we're like, yeah. Not so much the ladies, but the guys. The ladies are like, I don't bark like a dog. The guys are chest bumming. Right, guys? I mean, somebody couple of guys with some high testosterone. All right, here we go. <laughs> so, so, but what's the point? Like, what, what, what is all this? What, what's the source of this? Verse 14 says, because all this, because all this good stuff, all this powerful stuff, all this protection, all this mercy, all this grace, because, because he set his love upon you. (laughs) That's so simple, but that is so powerful. Yeah, yeah, you know, apostolic Pentecostal, we get accused of a lot of things, like, oh, cold, oh, you got to earn God, oh, they forced you to do this, like, no. There's things that we do because I love God, because if God tells me to never wear a blue and red checkered shirt again, I'm just not going to wear it. I'm not going to sit and argue over my right. If it's in Scripture, man, I'm following Scripture because I love God. It has nothing to do with anything else. It doesn't say that. That's why I'm still wearing it. If it does, I haven't found it yet. <laughs> but of all this, he says, because all those great things, because he set his love on you. I certainly didn't deserve that. I didn't do anything to like earn that. Hey, those protections are there. That power is there. That anointing, that covering. Because, because he set his love upon you. Therefore, I'll deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Verse 15, he shall call upon me. There it is again. 
Adam and Eve messed it up? Did God stop calling on his bride because they messed up? It's clear. It's scripturally recorded. They messed up. They sinned. They directly defied God's word. But then you go from Genesis all the way to Psalms, and you still find the same thing. He set his love on you, and he's still calling. I mean, that's hard to imagine because right now, when, he's, when I say he's still calling, you know what our mind sometimes goes to, whether online, in person? We start to think about, yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. You know what I did? You know my story? I knew better and I still. The scripture says he set his love on you. And he's still, he's calling you by name and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Verse 16, with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. It sounds so elementary, but God loves you. He loves you. He set his love on you, and he's still calling your name. In Psalm 86, 5, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. You know, we get this view of God of like, he's just, he's, he's holding it, he's holding it. Are you going to mess up? Are you going to make a mistake? You're going to hell. Come on. You mess. There you go. That's not the God we serve. It says he's ready to forgive. There's no qualifications there, like up to a certain point. Like if you're level one, two, and three sins, move to the left side of the building. Four, five, and six sins, you're going to have to stay over here. Like it doesn't matter. He's ready to forgive. Plenteous in mercy. And I find it interesting because in the New Testament, Paul writes that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So in our marriages, we also should be Ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy. Because if that's the love of Christ and we're called as husbands to love our wives like Christ loved the church, we should be ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy. Scripture tells us God stores a couple of things in heaven. And I'm not going to be much longer tonight because I want to give us a moment to pray. Psalm 56, 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And anyone ever shed a tear before God? Maybe it was driving your vehicle, kneeling at this altar, standing in that pew, at a hospital bedside, putting your, ch your child to bed. What chances are almost all of us have probably shed a tear about a situation or just in the presence and power of God. And scripturally, we have this verse that says, hey, Lord, you store every one of my tears in a bottle. What an, what an amazing thought. Like, like if we did that today, that'd probably be a little weird, but, you know, like, hey, and you're crying, here's a bottle. 
But you get the, the thought, the view of this, how, wow, God, like, there's not a tear that drops to the ground that goes unnoticed. And the second thing, Revelation 5, 8, when he took the scroll, John's writing, he says, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the land. Each one had a harp. And they held gold bowls filled with incense, which he says, you know what that incense is? The prayers of God's people. So scripture paints a picture of two things that God always stores in heaven. Your tears and your prayers. I mean, right now, there are things that will live on forever in heaven. And that are, that's your tears and your prayers. What an incredible God. The God who promises to remember our sins no more. He says, but I'll remember the tears forever. Who says, I'll forget and forgive as far as the east is from the west, but your prayers, I'll hold on to those forever. He buries our failures in the depths of the sea. Our Savior buries, forgets, and forgives so much, but then he clings to and stores what really matters. Church. As we close tonight, God longs to hear your voice. And maybe you're doing well and everything's great and you don't feel there's a need to cry out to God. But I want to be a man that is always crying out to God. So that when he daily comes looking for me and he calls me by name, just like he does for you, I want to be the one that responds that walks with him, that sheds those tears and offers those prayers, that when you offer those prayers and you go, are you even hearing me? The heavens feel like brass. The prayer just feels like I'm sending it, and it's just going. <laughs> like, no. Even when you don't feel, we can't measure the results. We can cling to the word and go, yeah, but I know that my prayer and my tears are stored up in heaven. God longs to hear your voice. Not just to be in his presence, but he actually longs to hear your voice. To make it, and so he, he wants us to make our requests known to him. But, but here's the question, how long does he have to wait? We don't know how long he He called out to Adam, Adam sinned, and then all of a sudden we read years and years and years later, Seth has a son, Enos, and and, and, and Enos has a son, and then and all of a sudden, 4.26, Genesis says, then men began to cry, I call on the name of the Lord. There's no doubt in my mind that God was calling and he's still calling. The question becomes, when he calls, how long do you leave him wait? When he calls, how long do we just continue about our business trying to separate what we can handle and what God can handle? I don't just bring him the problems and say, can you fix these? But I want to be in relationship with him. I want to share my life with him. And I want, I, want him, I want to be the apple of his eye, a man after his own heart. I want to see some of these people that went before us in scripture. I want, I want, I want that. I want that type of relationship. I want that kind of depth to, to his and I, he and I's relationship. So just pause. And as I open this altar, 
And you just begin to find a place to pray tonight. Close your eyes and just whisper to God, Lord, how long have you waited to hear my voice? Lord, how long have you been waiting today to hear my voice? How many days have you been waiting to hear my voice? How many weeks or months have you been waiting to hear my voice? How long have you been calling me and I haven't maybe been listening or I've just been going through life or maybe the guilt was like Adam and Eve and I'm hiding out and I'm just like, oh, can I come out? I'm not sure. After a message like this, you know that you can come out from wherever you are. He's calling you by name. So don't let another moment go by. Right now, the God of heaven and earth is calling you by name. And if I was you, I'd make my way up to a place where I could get alone with God and just begin to respond to that. Begin to talk to Him, to raise my voice up and to go into a deeper level of relationship and communion with my Lord and my Savior. Don't let anything, don't let anything keep you from responding to Him when He calls you by name. Let Him hear your voice and He wants you to hear His. In the name of Jesus.